All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, with me today, I'm very excited to have uh, Jim Huffman from uh, Growth Hit, uh, which is a growth marketing consultancy that specializes in running customer-centric uh, growth experiences. We're going to learn a lot more about it and dive into some fun topics today. Jim, how you doing? Thanks for being on the podcast. David, awesome. Thanks for having me. Excited to get into it today. Awesome. Well, before we get into it, I just want to tell our audience just a little more about you because you have a pretty incredible uh, background and, and set of experience and kind of wisdom that you're bringing to the pod. So, um, you know, first off, um, you know, separate from Growth Hit, uh, you're, you're a growth mentor for Techstars uh, Startup Accelerator. Uh, you've led growth at three startups that went from idea to over $10 million in sales and were featured in publications, publications such as uh, the Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, and the Today Show. Um, and uh, you've advised and taught digital marketing to brands that include uh, Sephora, General Assembly, Oreo, that's my favorite cookie, uh, Hot Wheels, FedEx, and, and so many more. Um, you're the author of an uh, Amazon bestselling book, the Growth Marketer's Playbook, um, fantastic book. And uh, you even pushed uh, Seth Godin off the list for a while, the number one list for a while. So super impressive and excited to have you with us. So welcome, Jim. Oh, thanks, man. That was so, that was so kind. But yeah, um, yeah, that Seth Godin uh, claim to fame, fame, it lasted for 72 glorious hours, and then he skyrocketed past me very quickly. He's very good at uh, marketing his own book. Awesome. Well, uh, kudos to you for that. Um, so why don't you just tell our audience just a little bit about um, Growth Hit? Yeah, so Growth Hit is our growth marketing agency. We've been around for a little over five years. And simply put, if you are a founder or you have a business and you're like, how the heck do we go to that next level of repeatable, sustainable growth? We're like, we'd love to help and be that external growth team. So what that means is we design websites that convert, convert. we're big into conversion rate optimization. We run paid acquisition on social and Google ads, and then we do email automation. And so we work a lot with um, like direct consumer companies, Legion companies and SaaS companies. So we've, we've worked with over a hundred uh, and like 25 clients at this point, which it's just been like, so crazy to see like some of those wins and some of those failures along the way but like the reps you get in is is just crazy being able to work with like a bunch of really smart founders yeah that's got to be fun and uh you know i i love what i do but you know I'm, I'm doing you know a lot of the same every day or working on the same challenges i think it's pretty awesome to kind of sit where you are uh, and and get to really work with a such a variety of different kinds of companies that are all facing different kinds of challenges. And then you can take those learnings back, you know, and, and every company you're advising can leverage the learnings of, you know, the whole, which I think is super powerful. Um, so, you know, on that, on that point, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges um, that usually are, are dealing with or facing as you, as you look to help new customers of yours? Yeah, first is a lot of times people want to grow. I mean, we put growth in our name, so they'll come to us like we're ready to grow. But the truth is they're not. And that can be a tough conversation to have, because if you try and grow too soon, 
man, that's a recipe for disaster and you're just going to burn money. And so we have to help people diagnose, are you ready for growth? Or actually you need to optimize, like your website is not ready for paid traffic going to mobile, or you have a leak in your funnel, or maybe you have a product that has high churn. So that's something that we're always trying to do. And the truth is with any website or funnel, there's like three to seven reasons why people don't convert. And we try and get to the core of that. Is it quality? Is it value? Is it price? Is it trust? Because here's the thing, if you can plug that hole, if you can figure out what's stopping people and get over that hump, then it's game on. Then you can go to that level of growth, which leads to other problems, but they're fun growth problems. And that's, you know, the thing everyone is asking, how do we find growth that scales, right? Because we just want to be able to pump money into Facebook, put a dollar in and print out three, but it's it's unfortunately not as simple as that. So um, it, it's really trying to like have scalable growth, especially in this crazy climate where, uh, you know, things are moving a mile a minute. So those are kind of the two big problems that we're trying to help uh, companies and founders solve. Awesome. And so, you know, obviously every company, mine included, we're always looking to grow. Um, so that that's, you know, obviously going to be a very common uh, theme. But how how does a company start to understand that they need, you know, kind of an, an additional, you know, team be, beside them? Because you really work as a as sort of an extension of a company's team, right? Um, and how does a company start to self-identify Hey, this is stuff I just need to keep doing, you know, naturally as I've always grown, you know, ourselves. And here's an area where I think we need additional help. How how do how do you help companies make that determination? And obviously, you want them to do as much as possible with you naturally, mm-hmm. but um, but but you know, realistically, how do companies need to look and self-analyze? Yeah, it's it's interesting because we talk to a lot of people where we'll kind of turn them away. It's like, don't waste your money on us. It's like now is not the time. It's too soon, especially if someone is bootstrapped or they're they're still trying to get maybe to like seven figures. Like we'll give them a lot of free resources. But in those early days, I would not hire us. Um, they're, they're certain like we work with some startup studios and venture labs where we'll work with them. But I'm a big fan of people being really scrappy and you know you know don't hire the senior level person get you know don't get the specialist get the generalist and someone that's really hungry to help you and i love businesses where the founder is secretly kind of a rock star cmo or head of growth where they're you know testing different channels finding an unfair advantage with the distribution channel um, and making it work and then once you get some signals that hey this is working where the business is in a place where it can either fund growth or you're raising funds for growth, that's when we would want to step in. Because the the other hard truth with growth that people don't want to hear is that growth isn't easy, growth is expensive, and it can take longer than you think. There's a lot of fun success stories of like, quote unquote, overnight successes. And we, we've had some fun things that have like been quick wins. But the truth is, it's it's the boring process of testing and learning and being relentless about that that can can lead to that snowball effect. So that that's the thing where we try and say that up front, because a lot of times people hire us and they think there's like a big green growth button we can just slap and all your dreams come true. But it's you've got to be like really willing to commit because sometimes maybe not all companies need to grow and you can just be where you're at and be profitable because growth is it's a very different game. 
if you invent the big green growth button, will you, will you let me know first? Absolutely. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll slide into your DMs. You'll be the first Perfect. one. Perfect. Yeah. Hit me up on MySpace. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, and, uh, and, and so as you're working with companies, how do you ensure that as you're helping them grow and scale and start to drive significantly more traffic and, and prospect leads, you know, how do you ensure that they're able to actually handle all of that new traffic? Because they're probably used to, you know, this set and level of, uh, uh, you know, activity. And as that starts to really dial up and ramp, you know, how do you ensure that they're able to manage all of that and they're not just wasting and being overwhelmed? Yeah, like we'll, we'll look at one example of a B2B company where our top goal as like the growth team was building a funnel that could drive high volume of leads. And so we, we started to do that very well where they actually couldn't handle it, the sales team. So they doubled their staff for it, which is good and bad. It's good because we did so well, but now our bar has been raised. Like, hey, we've doubled the staff of sales uh, reps you need to keep that volume up. And so that's kind of a conversation we're having with, okay, well, we got to keep the spend at this level. On, on the e-commerce front, like looking at direct consumer, um, you can hit plateaus as you're like increasing your ad spend and traffic. And a lot of times what that means is we need them to be willing to make custom funnels for different personas. Because um, whenever you're growing a consumer brand, a lot of times you can get some early adopters with a site that, that's okay, but as you go past the 5% of adoption and you go to like the more mainstream, you need to really have your stuff dialed in with your funnel because those early adopters are more forgiving. Whereas as you go a little bit more mainstream, they're, they're, the intent isn't as high, so you have to be very strong. So that means investing in, you know, a website that's built for those different personas and you have custom funnels. And also, do you have customer service and support that can handle that? And same with, we actually, well, we don't get annoyed, but like if we sell through a product, um, eventually it will make us look bad because we don't have anything to sell. So getting really good at forecasting is another kind of thing that, that companies need to be aware of whenever they're about to really invest in growth. Very valid. Makes sense. Um, so let me ask you about B2B. You know, um, I'm a, we're a B2B company. And so just kind of relevant. I want to get some free advice here. You know, what, um, what are some of the strategies that work best from the B2B lens, you know, direct to consumer, you know, th th there's a lot, there's, there's, I wouldn't say easier, but there, there's more paths, I think, to go direct to consumer. But B2B seems to be a little more challenging. We, we, for example, have more of a, you know, direct outbound effort as opposed to an inbound kind of lead generation strategy that's very consistent. Um, we do thought leadership pieces and create content. We go to a lot of events. Um, we, we do some advertising, not a lot, but we are mostly, you know, having our team, you know, outbounding and trying to, uh, find, find people on our target list that we want to connect with. So what are some of the other strategies for, you know, a world like ours B2B? Yeah, I, I like to, yeah, I like to start on B2B with bottom of the funnel where, you know, a lot of people can have a cool product, you know, cool brand and B2B, but they aren't getting over people over the hurdle of converting, whether it's because they have to switch from one tool or service to yours or they have to like add yours on. 
So to get over that hurdle, I really like push B2B companies to be laser focused on what is your activation offer? How do you even get people in the funnel? Because a lot of times people will just throw them to a pricing page and that's not enough. We, we had one example with a, a startup called Lapster. It's B2B, but it's SaaS and um, they do online virtual simulations for companies. So you're a professor at Oxford and you're teaching online about science. You have cool like lab simulations that you can do. So it's a great product, but how do you activate? And so we did some extreme experiments around you go for the jugular, like get on a call with the salesperson. Do you give content away? Like, hey, learn it. Are you having to teach online? 10 things to know. We would do demos. We would do webinars. We would actually give the product away for free. And and so it's really like thinking to yourself, what are all those options I have to activate people? And the other way to think about it is with your service or your product in B2B, what is the magic moment? Is it when you save people time, money, wow them with the experience? Because the faster you can get to that magic moment with that activation offer, the faster they're gonna, it's gonna click, I potentially need this. So that's the first thing, because if you have a good offer, let me, I'd want to work with you. When you don't have a good offer, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be tough. And when I say offers, I'm like discounts, but it's like, how do you activate people? So the second thing is once you have your offer, where do you put it? How do you get it out there? Cause there's really four ways you can grow, right? You can grow through paid, you can grow through organic, you can go through virality of word of mouth, or you can grow through a partner channel. And unless you're over, you know, five to 10 million, I would challenge you that you could ride one of those to five million if you just squeeze the most out of it. So for example, Privy, B2B SaaS company, when they launched, they didn't go into SEO, they didn't go into necessarily like paid ads, they went all in on a partner channel and that was the Shopify app ecosystem, that marketplace. They're like, we're gonna be number one there. And that's how they eventually got acquired by Attentive, right? You have other companies where they're leaning into organic and SEO and doing that extremely well. And so um, I, um, for early stage companies, I actually see that people will diversify too soon into channels rather than choosing one and being best in class in it. Because in most situations, you don't have the resources to be doing all of those things. So you're spreading your team too thin and just being okay at a lot of things and not great at a few. So those are ways we think about it. And I mean, the only other final piece is, what's your business model? Like, let's say you have an insane lifetime value of, we have one client we're talking to or lead that's eight years and they're, they're making 15 grand for them and their margins are really high. So you have the advantage to be able to spend more to acquire people, whereas maybe you're, Lifetime value doesn't support that, so you need to do more of a pay a uh, free channel. So it's trying to balance those things is what we're trying to uh, like dissect to diagnose like what's the right go to market approach. Awesome. Um, so let me ask you this: um, how do you how do you analyze a company to start and figure out where where growth hit um, can be helpful? Yeah, we we really try and like look like get data across their full funnel. We'll, we'll get access to their traffic. We want to understand their conversion rate for B two B. We want to understand the 
you know, the lead to call signup rate, the call to close rate, because what we're trying to do is really find where the problems were, the big drop offs, because we want to plug those holes. Um, the other thing we're doing is really understanding the persona and trying to meet them where they're at and know where they are online, because that can help us tell a, a few things. One, are you ready for growth or do we need to not grow yet and build a foundation and validate that it works? And then once we can grow, what are the right mechanisms or channels to do that? Does it involve what we do or is it like, hey, you should find someone that's really good at SEO. It's not us, but like, you know, that should be working more of a long term play. Um, but, um, you know, we focus on more of the short term with the, the paid ads. But, but that's the way we're, we're trying to get into the data to figure out where they should really focus. What do you think is the number one biggest gap? companies face the the biggest reason for a, a leaky funnel i mean it's hands down their website is not built to convert it's it's why we hang our hat on conversion rate optimization i like want to hit my head against the wall when i throw companies double i see companies double and quadruple their ad budget but then they're hesitant to invest in experiments on their website to increase lead volume or lead quality and it just it baffles me because i've seen both sides of it i've seen people throw good money after a bad website and i've seen people build a website that can convert and then it changes everything and so yeah that's uh i feel like i have to get on a soapbox to evangelize conversion rate optimization uh, quite a bit i couldn't agree more um so much is so much attention is placed on the ads and the channels and the audience building. And of course that's super important, but then you, you send them all to the same one landing page and people do very little optimization there. And that's the biggest leverage point, I think, um, not just of converting, but of also qualifying, you know, through that page and making sure that whatever still sifts through there, is quality so that your team has a really high likelihood of, of converting and, and that they're also being kind of pre-sold to a degree even before they speak to a, a sales rep. Um, and so I think a lot of people focus too much also on just quality, uh, quantity um, and not on quality. And when you do that, I think you can really make a mess of your sales operation by just throwing everything in, and at them and, and having them figure it out and waste your time on demos with people who aren't even qualified. What do you think about you know, I, the companies that you work with, I think you're doing a lot, but I, th I, th I think the whole, the whole journey, but, but you know, you're, you're getting traffic to the site, optimizing landing pages to convert. How, how do companies fare on average on actually taking those leads and responding to them, you know, qualifying, following up, nurturing them long term? Yeah, we like we'll also help with the marketing automation funnel because they'll get those leads and the worst is when they just don't do anything with them. So we're like, no, like let us at least build the email automation flow to start to onboard them. And the, the way we think through that is like, what's the decision journey from someone hears about your product, your service to when they actually buy? Because naturally there's gonna be five questions they have to answer and we can drip that out through email. Um, the other one, we've had some good success where companies um, will we'll push them where they can have a call center or people to handle calls where if you can get people on the phone, their close rate will almost double. Um, so making sure they have the tracking in place there, they have people that can handle it and the working hours to handle calls when they might come in. Because at, at the end of the day, if, if they're not gonna do anything, 
thing with the, the volume of leads we send in, we're, we're going to be out of business. Um, the other thing that we struggle with sometimes is getting feedback from the sales team on the quality. There's only um, so much data we can pull from like CRM. So that's the other thing. We're always trying to get that feedback loop. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a part of the funnel that verse focuses on entirely is, is there's so much effort and, and, you know, smarts that it takes to do what you guys do and help optimize that funnel and generate a quality prospect. And then, you know, we, we find that there's this big disconnect between marketing and sales where marketing is, you know, tossing leads over the fence to sales and complaining that sales isn't following up quickly and nurturing them long-term and making enough attempts. Um, and emails are, are effective, but not as effective as, as texting and other things to just get a hold of people. And, um, and then sales is also complaining that they're getting a lot of leads from marketing, but they're hard to reach. They can't get a hold of them. So, it, you know, complaining about, you know, two sides of the same coin. And so I think, um, you know, um, we should talk about a partnership because you're helping a lot of these people come through and then we help engage, qualify and book those appointments for sales. And so um, this is why I really was excited to speak to you because I think we're really, you know, helping companies uh, in a lot of different ways along the same cycles of, of issues and problems that can help kind of lift all boats for everybody in the organization. No, I mean, I love what you guys are doing. What, what has worked for you all as far as like once people can get into your platform, how you're able to turn the website traffic into like good conversations that become quality leads or convert? Do you guys have kind of a or formula that you're working with within your tool? Or I'm sure it's very dependent on the, the industry and the persona. Yeah, we, what we do is we build just like you would email marketing campaigns like a drip. We, we created what are called conversation campaigns, which initiate a two-way conversation over text. So someone fills out that form on that optimized page, and then instantly we start a two-way text conversation with that prospect. Uh, and 90% of people prefer to text. 98% of people read their texts, and 90% and of texts are read in the first three minutes. Um, so when you compare that to email that only has a 22% open rate on average, um, phone calls, which nobody's answering anymore from numbers they don't know. Almost nine out of 10 phone calls um, go to direct to voicemail from numbers people don't know. Um, I agree with you. Once people get people on the phone, uh, everything doubles. And that's why we leverage. The, people say, well, what's the best way to get someone on the phone? And we say to text, to text initially and say, hey, hey, Jim, you know, David here from Verse saw you were interested in our service. Uh, when's a good time to connect with our team? Um, and now you build a respectful conversation, an authentic conversation uh, that's not bot-like, it's authentic, um, it's two-way, and allows, you, allows us to actually qualify a little bit, book that appointment with sales, and everyone's on the same page. And so we use text as a means to get people on a demo or on a phone call. And so it, I, I think the, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, our whole mission is really to help businesses modernize their engagement strategies since only 6% of businesses today are leveraging uh, texting to engage with prospects. Um, and, and we all know that, that text is you know, the most powerful way to reach uh, the modern consumers today and decision makers. Um, yeah, I absolutely love uh, text and SMS with specific personas too. If it's like anything around local or like home services or local SMBs, it's like 
high open rate, high response time. Um, that, that's a great activation point, um, which I wish more of our clients would would, would test, which is something we should probably be pushing as, as you speak to it, because everyone knows email, everyone knows phone, but I, I think SMS for those right categories is, is a gold mine. Even with like some D2C, we, we've seen some great success when people go for the phone number over the email and have the conversation there. Like Curology, they would connect you with a dermatologist through SMS. So I, I love that the category you're on. Yeah. And, and, you know, we work with, you know, major brands, some of the biggest brands in the country across all sorts of industries, real estate, mortgage, home services, education, insurance, healthcare. And, and you know, with some case studies we did with some major, major home improvement stores um, and chains, um, you know, they saw a, a three, not 300, 200% lift. So a 3x lift in conversion rate to appointments booked for their service pros. So to your point with home services, um, you know, you fill out a form and, you know, that plumber is under a sink somewhere. He's not responding right away. So someone who can respond for them on their behalf, starts to text with that prospect and book an appointment while they're under the sink or on a roof um, is doubling and tripling the conversion rates. Let's, let's turn back to you though. I, um, and I'll tell you more about verse when I'm on your podcast one day. Um, but, uh, Tell, tell our audience a little bit about the 3 million challenge, uh, which is just fascinating. And I'll let you just describe it to everybody. Yeah, so we, we have this thing called the $3 million challenge where we're like, okay, if we're such a good growth agency or growth team, why can't we grow our own stuff? So we're like, all right, let's do it. So um, we are launching three companies with the goal of getting them to seven figures, a million dollars each. So one is our agency, which we, we've already done that. Um, the second is a company called One Day Design. It's a productized service where we're your external design team. We can design a web page in a day, ads in a pay in a day. Um, and so um, that one we've actually gotten now to 65,000 in, in sales. And then the third one is Handsome Chaos. Um, this is our direct-to-consumer brand. It's essentially a dry shampoo for dudes like me that have longer hair um, because you use hair gel, it gets a little oily. It's um, It styles your hair, but makes it look dry. So you might be able to skip the shower. Um, and so that one where we're, that launches in February. But um, but yeah, so it's um, it's been really fun to go through that process. We, we share updates through Twitter every day and we do monthly financial updates, which is it's a, it's a little nerve wracking to kind of, I guess, open the kimono and put stuff out there. But it's, it's been fun to get feedback from people because we talk about what works, but we're also transparent on what doesn't work. You know, we've had some pretty epic fails and so we have to come clean on those. But yeah, um, it, it, it's been pretty fun. That's pretty awesome. And, and a million in sales, is that a, a year or just, just get them to a million, like in whatever time period? Yeah, at this point, at whatever time period, but ideally in under um, like 12 to 18 months. That's so cool. And what I love about it is there are three different kinds of businesses entirely. And, and you know, no, no matter the, the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet or marketers, there's no way that they start something and everything just goes up and to the right, no matter what they've learned. Because I think the most that the, the most important thing any, any entrepreneur learns is that no matter what you think, it's gonna change and you're gonna have to test. And so even with all of your knowledge, like you're saying, oh, it's hard, it's, it's nerve wracking. Sometimes what we do isn't working. That's really humbling. And, and I think encouraging for a lot to hear that, that it's not about like you, you, you just know how to do everything all of a sudden. It's about knowing how to test. I think is the biggest thing. It's knowing how to test, 
knowing what to look at and look for, what are the right metrics, and optimizing, just like anything else, right? There's no ad that you've ever placed and just worked forever, right? You have to continue to adjust and optimize. And it's the same thing for a sales strategy, a funnel, um, a comp plan, uh, really for anything along the way. So I think it's really fascinating. And I encourage everyone to uh, follow you on Twitter. Where, how can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, it's just uh, Jim W. Huffman is where he posts stuff. And then Growth Hit has its own Twitter. But, um, but yeah, and I totally agree with you. Like, you know, everyone is probably very strong at a certain specialty. If that's marketing, if it's sales, if it's design, whatever that is. But business, it's just like... It's, there's so many important pieces and it can be so fragile. You can be amazing at making a product and building a website, but if you can't do marketing or sales, it doesn't matter. And so like with, with our direct consumer brand, we know nothing about manufacturing. And that's why it's taken us over a year to make a product. We're on like our 15th iteration. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I like building, you know, products with uh, bits, not atoms. Um, it's much easier to, to iterate, but it's, um, you know, I feel like as founders, you always have to pay your tuition one way or another. And so this is the way we're doing that. I love it. I love it. Um, Jim, any final thoughts um, or uh, words of advice for our audience? No, I, th I think if anything, like with a $3 million challenge, we we have wins, but we have some failures. And I think it's easy to get down on yourself where you're like, this didn't work. The idea was dumb. I'm dumb. I stink. And it's like, don't do that. Just be like, hey, this didn't work. I learned. Let me move on. Because I, I constantly see these people that have amazing successes and they aren't the, necessarily the smartest or whatever. They're just the most resilient and honestly, a little bit more positive. So I, I think, you know, not getting too down on yourself is, is, a, is a big, big one. But um but, uh, but no, I mean, I'm I'm on Twitter. Like I mentioned, I've got a podcast if I was starting today that I need to, David, you need to come jump on. And then, um, yeah, we're just, I'm just Jim at growthhit.com. But dude, love what you're doing with the podcast. This is super fun. Thank you, man. And I hope we get to meet in person one of these days as well. So thank you. Um, thanks for everything. I, I love your words of advice. I think, you know, you, you fell seven times, but if you try eight, you're, you keep going. Uh, we wouldn't have light or light bulbs if Edison gave up <laughs> right away, tried 10,000 times, found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Uh, Amazon, everyone has failed at products, Google Glasses, whatever. Everyone fails at products, even the largest companies, even Apple. And, uh, and it's about learning, evolving, adapting, and you know, staying humble, keeping your head high, and, and looking ahead, forging ahead. I, I think the best entrepreneurs, not necessarily the smartest, they're the ones who just keep getting back up and keep pushing and trying new things, right? So um, I love that piece. I love that advice. Thank you, Jim. I love everything that you're doing. Thanks so much for being on the, on the podcast and I uh, look forward to uh, meeting you in person sometime soon as well. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, David.